Good evening, everyone. Great, great blessing seeing some surprised people walk in on us tonight for the service, too. That What a wonderful blessing to be able to celebrate God's work in this place. We're saying 30 years, but it was in the 1960s when this property was purchased, dedicated, and a building built for the worship of the Lord. Calvary Chapel Lake Villa is turning officially... Uh, on December 12th. That's the official first service. But I knew it was December, and I figure if we're going to do a celebration better earlier in the month than later in the month, because there's a lot of competition for even now we have, uh, we discovered, my two of my grandsons, my daughter's down in Indiana with the boys playing basketball, and uh, another couple just took off because their son is playing basketball tonight, so there's a lot of competition for this time, and uh, we are grateful that you're sharing tonight with us, and uh, did you guys enjoy dinner? So I was kind of out of the mix on a little bit of this today, often when making lasagna like we did today. I'm right in the middle of it, but Lily had a different job for me. I was the at-home roast cooker, and I even had time to fix our kitchen sink while I was waiting, so I had plenty of time for things today, but, you know, low and slow, and you just got to wait around until it's done. But uh, we had three ladies here most of the day from 9 o'clock until 1.30 is when Lily got home, preparing and prepping for tonight's meal, and There were several of us here last night uh, making preparations as well. And so I just want you guys to say thank you to those who served you. So I'm not going to have much to do but play my guitar and sing a little bit tonight. We have with us tonight Pastor Tony Dupree from Sure Foundation Church. Uh, Tony, you may know the story better than I, but this is how I remember it. The first time that uh, in my memory banks is that you contacted me saying our church would like to become a Calvary Chapel. What should we do? And so I said, get the book Calvary Distinctives, read it with your board members, and then if they still want to become a Calvary (laughs) Chapel, talk to me and we'll take it the next step. And then I think you probably at that time went to your first Midwest Pastors Conference, which I don't know if you've missed too many since that time. But, uh, yeah, you took the next steps. And Pastor Tony Dupree from Shirt Foundation Church, yes, their name does not say Calvary in it, but they were Shirt Foundation Church before they became a Calvary Chapel. But they're the only other Calvary in all of Lake County. So we're right here. God has two Calvary chapels in this corner of Lake County, and we are blessed to have him. He's going to be, after our worship set, serving us communion tonight, and then we'll have a short worship set, and uh, Pastor Phil Ballmeyer from Calvary Chapel Elk Grove, who's been on our radio station for at least six years, if not more, at the 8 a.m. time slot, Monday through Friday. But Pastor Phil, his beautiful bride, Cindy, have been involved with Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa way before I ever became involved with this place. And uh, they were here early on helping this church to be established in this area, giving aid, 
and off and on through the years. Um, quite often, sometimes, Phil will get a phone call from me saying, Phil, I have this going on. What should I do? And so I've appreciated you being there through the years for us. So I want to open us in prayer in thanksgiving. And I put it in our social media post, uh, a Thanksgiving celebration. And my wife was like, Thanksgiving was... No, this is Thanksgiving because we are thankful for 30 years of ministry that the Lord has allowed us to be here. And so, Father, we do come in thanksgiving. We thank you, Father, for your great grace and your mercies that you have bestowed upon us. Lord, we thank you that uh, you established this property back in the 1960s. People prayed over it. The first church meeting took place in a corn crib. And today, most of the kids around here don't, don't even know what a corn crib is. So, Lord, years ago, you had a group of brothers and sisters and their children meeting in a barn, but establishing, Lord, a place where the word of God would be taught through the years until this year. For us as Calvary Chapel, Lord, we thank you for the 30 years of ministry that you've given us technically in about a week and a half. But, Lord, we are grateful for the time you have given us. And we pray, Father, if your son, Jesus, should tarry, we'd not only continue to serve you in this community, but what is on my heart, Lord, to prepare this place for the next generation of worshipers. So tonight, Lord, is a celebration of all that you have done. And we give you thanks for the great work that you continue to do tonight with us, Lord, and the days in the future that you know, Lord, we look to you for our help and our hope in all situations. And in the name of Jesus, all God's people said, Amen. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, praise the Lord. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditation, May my meditation be, sweet to him. be sweet to Him. I will be glad, I will be glad in the
Happy anniversary, Calvary Chapel Lake Villa. My name is Jeff Guype, and I had the pleasure of meeting Pastor John over 30 years ago at the School of Ministry at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. I was a new Christian walking into the School of Ministry wondering what in the world am I doing here? And then looking across the room, I saw a man sitting there with a mullet. Yes, a mullet. I didn't have any friends with mullets, so I knew immediately I wanted Pastor John to be my friend. Well, here it is 30 years later, and not only are we continue to be great friends, but we are co-laborers in Christ. I wish I had time to tell you all the different ways and times in which John has encouraged me and cared for me and counseled me over the years. John, you've been such a great encouragement to me. I thank you and Lily so much for being our friends. I don't know what tomorrow holds. All I know, only God knows those things, but what I do know is that John, because I've known you for so long, I know that you will continue to, to care, to counsel, and to um, encourage all y'all there at Calvary Chapel Lake Villa. Happy anniversary. Wish I could be there with you. God bless you. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 44 to 47. So Moses came with Joshua, the son of Nun, and spoke all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. Moses finished speaking all these words to all Israel. And he said to them, Set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of this law. For it is not a futile thing for you, because it is your life. And by this word you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Greetings from the children of your elect sister. The congregation of St. John's Evangelical Church in Colesville, Wisconsin wishes to extend our congratulations to Calvary Chapel Lake Villa for 30 years of faithfulness to the Word of God in proclaiming the Scriptures. Pastor John, your friendship has been a source of blessing, encouragement, and fellowship for me, and we look forward to another 30 years of our congregation laboring in the harvest together. May the Lord bless you all richly, both now and forevermore. Congratulations, Pastor John and Lily. This is Carl Westerland from your School of Ministry days. It's hard to believe that time has passed so soon that it is now 30 years that it is the anniversary of the church and it is 30 years since we first came together in School of Ministry. And so we continue to uh, exalt in our Lord. He has been so good to us. I have followed all these years uh, your work there. When you were in school, I emphasized over and over that what God was doing was uh, making you, it, putting you in a position where you could be faithful. And by having a pastor at this long, you have definitely proven your faithfulness. I watched you over the years with the posts and whatever information I got from you, and it has been exciting. I know that the Lord has used you in so many lives, 
and the best is yet to come. So keep on doing what you're doing and stay faithful and the Lord is going to bless you in your ministry. Hi, Pastor Eric here from Calvary Chapel Cardinal. Congratulations, Calvary Chapel Lake Villa on 30 years. What a milestone. John and Lily, Dean and I send you the best. And from all of us here at Calvary Chapel Cardinal, we celebrate with you in your 30th anniversary. I know, John, that you have worked extremely hard to set the next generation on the right foot concerning ministry, the building, etc. Your church is blessed to have you, and we're blessed to know you. And we wish all of you a very special anniversary. From all of us here at Calvary Chapel Cardinal, God bless you guys and enjoy this day of celebration. Well, Pastor John, it is an honor to be able to congratulate you, your wife, Lily, and the church there at Calvary Chapel for 30 years of ministry. You know, John, I was thinking back to when you and I were serving as janitors there at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa and wondering, probably at least I know I was wondering, and I'm sure you were too, God, what are you going to do with our lives? I mean, we're here, we're serving, but had no idea what the Lord would be doing over the next three decades of your life. And I just want to congratulate you and encourage you, keep on going. The work that you're doing there at the church as you faithfully serve the Lord and the radio ministry that you have that is reaching into hearts and homes all around your area. I just want to congratulate you, brother, and just say keep on going, keep on doing the work because, listen, time's running out. You know it. I know it. The days are short. The, the, the days we're living in, they're the last days. Jesus is coming soon. So don't stop running. Keep running hard. Finish well. Love you, brother. God bless you. Thankful for you. So I chose, I only saw one of those videos, so I chose to watch them with you. And uh, Pastor Carl almost made me cry. <laughs> but uh, God's good. Uh, also, just another disclaimer in that sense. Some people believe that I started this church 30 years ago. You can kind of hear it in what they're saying. But we know differently, and God had a different plan of how Calvary Chapel came into existence on this property. But uh, praise God for the work that he continues to do here through us and has done in the past and will do in the future. As we do the song of worship, uh, the men are going to come and distribute the communion. And then after this song, Pastor Tony will come and uh, share a word with us. As we wait upon you, Lord, as we come to seek your face, we desire to know your will. As we gather in this place, Lord, come and fill this place.
Father, we receive your gift through your Son's amazing love. As he hung upon the tree, he paid the price that sets us free. Lord, come and fill this place. desire to be filled with the Spirit sent from Thee. Jesus, breathe Your breath of life and Your Spirit we God bless you guys, and thank you so much for your invitation to have our church join yours as you uh, celebrate your 30th anniversary. Uh, we, uh, uh, we thank you for your hospitality, and we enjoyed the food. It was just wonderful, and the fellowship was just, is, just, is just priceless. It's, just, it's glorious, so thank you for, for having us. Uh, recently, we were uh, going through 2 Corinthians, and we, we studied about how uh, the zeal of the Macedonian churches spilled over into Corinth. And uh, while Corinth was thinking about the offering, gathering an offering and saying that that'll be a good idea, uh, the Macedonians were zealous and they stood up and they, they collected it and they were looking for someone to bring it to Jerusalem. And uh, uh, that, that, that zeal, that contagion, um, spilled over into Corinth. And they're like, they're doing that, we're going to do that. And the reason I bring that up is because Seeing how you guys are so zealous and so and and so honored uh, to to have, have to have run this far, uh, we're, we're we're taking away from that great encouragement as we are a little ways behind you, and it gives us encouragement to keep coming ourselves. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. Uh, doling out the word of God, you guys are doing with regard to the adults. And then also, also the children. It makes one think of uh, that passage in Nehemiah where, where you know, uh, the, the wall was rebuilt and Ezra went up to this podium made for the occasion. It was lifted up and, and uh, they taught the people the word of God. They read it. And then Nehemiah, or not Nehemiah, but uh, Ezra and the Levites translated to give the sense of the word. And so that the people would totally understand what was being read to them. And you guys have been doing that all these years. And um, we've forgotten more ministry than, than we remember. Uh, so be encouraged with that. And thank you for having us. Keep doing what you're doing. It's an honor to be here. Um, 
I would like to call our, our thoughts to uh, one single word in the Bible, just, just one single word. It's a very powerful word, so that we can uh, zero, zero our hearts on communion. Um, it's a word that's very important. It's used about 240 times in the Bible, and um, it, 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 it conveys, it's a noun, it conveys the central character of God, a key, key character of the living God. Um, it was such a, a, a deep word, so pregnant with meaning. Uh, Coverdale, who, uh, who produced and translated and printed the first full Bible into English, had to, had to come up with a new word. He coined a new word. The word is this. It's loving kindness. Loving kindness. Just want us to think about that word just for a moment. Uh, the reason that the scholars have grappled with that so much is because it's so rich. Uh, we know what loving means, and just alone, that's a good word, isn't it? To know that God is loving. We also know what kind is, uh, how many of us we, we need that kindness. But then when you put those together and come up with a compound word, loving kindness, it's extra wonderful. But the problem with that translators have with this word is it even means more than that. When we say, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His loving kindness endures forever. That word also has the connotation or the, the, the meaning of strength, stability. And that's why the RSV translates it many times, steadfast love. Not loving kindness, but steadfast love. And so as the modern translations come on the scene, people are getting a little bit more loose with their translations at times. They've translated grace they've translated it goodness they've translated it all kinds of things but when you come back to the center another word that that fits well is a loyalty and if you notice my hand just clutched just saying it because it, it has to do with the loving kindness of the lord wherein he brings the souls of people and holds it with strength in other words, with all of the rocking and the reeling and the things that we don't understand, the things that we thought were solid, but then the ground shook up beneath us, that the Lord's loving kindness that's going to bring us into the land is not like that. It's strong. It's sure. It's a word whose application was applied to God's covenantal relationship with Israel. And we do know also that in the New Testament, that new covenant, that new agreement is with the church. And we are that covenantal people in, in that sense of that word being translated in the New Testament, mercy. And the idea was this. When there's a covenant, um, and there's a covenant between two, one's greater and one's lesser. In this case, we're the subordinate, right? Um, we, we try to keep up our end of the agreement. We try to do what's right, but there's some days where we just let the Lord down. This was not a good Thursday. Uh, and then Friday may not be good either. And then we recover on Saturday. And we wonder, how are we ever going to get into the land? How are we ever going to cash in on this covenant if we keep messing up? But the rest of that story in the word loving kindness is the patron, uh, God in this case, he is not like that. His love is steadfast. That loving kindness, he's loyal to us. 
In other words, this love is not going to go away. It's not surprising that he would command us that you too ought to love one another. And all of us are to come together. Now here's the question. How much love must have been required? I'm going to back up. How much love must have been required for God to send his son to die? And not only to die, which that's of course bad enough, but I think we all know Jesus' life was anything but simple. Even coming into that last week before, before the Passover, he was going toe-to-toe with those Pharisees. Overturn the tables. Just, just conflict without, conflict within. He came all the way and still God's loving kindness took those 12 men and drew them together. He told them that I desire very greatly to, to celebrate this last Passover with you because I will no longer eat of the fruit of divine until I drink it anew with you in the Father's kingdom when things are fulfilled. And so in that day, he called them to that supper. And if you would mind, take, take, uh, take the elements and um, let's turn to the bread here and let's open it up. Communion, as you know, is a sharing. It's a participation. It's a fellowship. It's that koinonia. And again, the one who's speaking is the third party. The second party is our brothers and sisters in the Lord. The next party is God. When we take partake of the elements... It pulls our brothers and sisters, the speaker or the one about to take communion, and God all together in a place of loving kindness. So as Paul said, since there is one loaf, when it's broken, we all partake of that one loaf and we become one, spiritual oneness. So you folks know that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread And he gave thanks. Let's do that. God, our Father, you have been so benevolent to us. We love you so thoroughly. We thank you for this bread and what it signifies. We praise you for it, for all of your good blessings that you've given us. In Jesus' name. So he took the bread and he broke it. And he passed it to the men and he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake of the body of Christ. The Gospels tell us that after they had eaten, he took the cup and he gave thanks. Heavenly Lord, we thank you for the fruit of the vine. We thank you for calling us into this commemorative act 
Thank you, Lord, for giving us an institution to remember you by and the work that you would do on that very next day. We thank you for it. He gave thanks, and he handed it to his men, and he said, take and drink from it, all of you. For this is the cup of, my new, of the, the blood of the New Testament, which will be poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The loving kindness of the Lord. David says, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. Father, thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for blessing this church. Thank you for blessing all churches. Thank you for your loving kindness, which indeed is everlasting. These things we pray in Jesus' name and that all the people say, amen. Getting emotional tonight. <laughs> Let's worship. Let's stand and worship. Yeah. 
and goodness and for your justice but we're especially grateful for your mercy lord for none of us deserves anything anything good that you could give us lord and you shower us everybody the good good and the evil with good things lord here on earth lord hoping that we will turn to you lord we thank you that we are not where we were yesterday that it's gone we just pray that you continue to guide this church and our pastors and leaders, Lord, into this next decade and beyond, Lord. And we thank you for all the support from all the other Calvaries in the area and these pastors that are here with us tonight sharing a celebration with us, Lord. And I'll be with Pastor Phil as he comes to share with us, Lord, May everything coming out of his mouth come from you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good evening again, everyone. Um, some of you know me, some of you may not. Uh, my lovely wife Cindy and I are here. Uh, we, uh, I'm a, I pastor, uh, we co-pastor in a sense, <laughs> but we, we together serve God at uh, Calvary Chapel in Elk Grove, which is about an hour from here. And uh, so, but I want to just say what an honor it is to stand here tonight and be a part of your 30th anniversary celebration. I mean, Cindy and I have known John and Lily for many, many years, and we consider them two of our very best friends in the world. So I was delighted when John asked me to do the message tonight. And so many things we could talk about and all, and I just prayed, Lord, I just feel like you want me to keep it simple. You know, simple is good. And so I was thinking of, and praying about it, and I believe that God laid on my heart that there are five basic things that make any church a great church including this church, Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa. First of all, there is longevity. Longevity. There's a lot of young churches that are good churches, but I don't think a church achieves the status of greatness until it's been around, I think, for at least 25 years. Um, and when I'm talking about greatness, let's just get this on the table tonight, that we're talking about greatness in the eyes of God, not in the eyes of the world. Two very different standards, right? But I think it takes a church um, that long, at least 25 years, to prove itself, to prove that it is here to stay. It's not a flash in the pan. My pastor, Pastor Chuck Smith, used to like to say that many men in ministry, and by extension their churches, are like the fireworks on the 4th of July. They come out of nowhere and burst onto the scene like the fireworks that explode into the night, onto the night sky on the 4th of July to the oohs and awes of the crowd. But so often, just as suddenly, like those fireworks, their churches and ministries turn to ashes through scandal or when the novelty wears off because they're trying to do something really creative and that initially it draws people to see what this goofy church is doing. You know, this is interesting, but... 
you can only live on novelty for so long. And so uh, these churches, they tend to come out of nowhere and make a big burst onto the scene with a lot of oohs and ahs. This is the greatest church. you got to check it out. They're doing stuff no other church is doing. Only to see these very churches and ministries um, burn up, turn to ashes. When the novelty or wears off or the scandal appears, they disappear from the scene. But Pastor Chuck made a very important statement. He says, you know, long after the fireworks are over on the 4th of July, you can look up into the night sky and see the stars that have continued to shine faithfully from the beginning of time. A great church, guys, is a steady, stable church. It takes time for a church to mature and to prove that it has really been planted and sustained by God And no matter what the devil throws at it, when the smoke clears, that church is still standing. It is longevity that often leads a church to achieve greatness. I believe Calvary of Lake Villa has achieved that status. And by the way, longevity is one of the ingredients that makes a great marriage. Congratulations to Pastor John and Lily on 44 years of marriage together. But you know what? Longevity by itself isn't enough to make a church great. I mean, it's an important ingredient, no doubt. But not enough by itself to automatically make a church great. There are some churches that have been around a lot longer than my church and this church combined. Some of them over 100 years. And yet they haven't achieved greatness because they don't have the second ingredient that makes a church great. And that is fidelity. Fidelity. And by fidelity, I I mean faithfulness to the Word of God. I know that Pastor John and Lily love God's Word and have have faithfully taught it for these many years. And guys, and I know we would all agree, no church can be a great church in the eyes of God that doesn't love, reverence, and faithfully teach His Word week after week, month after month, and year after year. Pastor John and Lily have done so at Calvary Lake Villa. They have been faithful in proclaiming God's word for 23 years, all the time they have been here. And I know in my heart they will continue because they love his word. They honor it, they they respect it, and they teach it as the living word of God. And that is why God has blessed. Now, it is true that fidelity in teaching God's word is important in making a church great. But there's also fidelity to God in general, or in other words, faithfulness to God in the area of personal integrity. Turn turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. Because Peter said something I think we ought to just look at. Yes, faithfulness in teaching God's word, that's absolutely critical if a church is going to be a great church. But there has to always uh, also be at the helm. A shepherd that understands that the church, he doesn't lord over the church. He serves the church. And so in 1 Peter chapter 5, starting with verse 1, Peter said, The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. Now, he's talking to pastors, okay? 
Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Guys, I hear a lot of talk about the importance of men of faith. You know, men of faith. Now, I'm not saying that's not an important thing. It is. But I think what the church needs most of all today is faithful men. Faithful men. There are too many celebrity pastors in the church today. People who are looking at to make a name for themselves, to draw attention to themselves, and not men who are really in it for the glory of God. Now, Pastor John and, of course, Lily, they are here with the right heart. I have always known that. Uh, I, have, I have known that from the first time I met John and had a chance to talk with him. I knew that he had a heart for God, that he had a heart for the Word. And uh, John has proven himself as a pastor here uh, that he is in it for the glory of God. He's not looking to have a celebrity ministry. Um, he only wants to exalt Jesus. Those celebrity pastors, again, they burst onto the scene to the oohs and the ahs of the crowd, but they don't last very long, do they? My pastor, Pastor Chuck Smith, served the Lord for 65 years and preached his last sermon four days before he died. He was faithful. He was faithful. And yet, guys, there's another important element that makes a church great, and that is moral purity. A moral purity that starts with the pastor. For this, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel 12. You remember Samuel? He was a, uh, a prophet, but also a, ju a judge. And um, he was faithful. And he's giving his testimony in 1 Samuel 12. Look at verse 3. We'll just read verses 3 and 4. He said, I am, uh, here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed, or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And they said, You have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. He was a moral man. Samuel was a moral man. You know, Jesus did the same thing many years later when he stood before the people and asked in John 8:46, Which of you convicts me of sin? A true man of God can hold up their life. They're not perfect. None of us are. But a true man of God can hold up his life and challenge people to find anyone they have cheated, stolen from, bribed, or acted immorally with. That was the testimony of Paul, by the way, uh, many years la later from Samuel. Turn to Acts 20, just briefly. You know it. As Paul is addressing the Ephesian elders, verse 17 from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the, for the elders of the church. This is Acts 20, verse 17. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know 
from the from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. Verse 33. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Guys, this is in direct contrast to the corrupt leaders that Paul told Timothy to be on guard against, Timothy being a young pastor. Um, Paul and Peter, but others, of course, in the New Testament, warned against those men who would come into the church dressed like sheep would be wolves instead. How would you know them? Because they would always try to make merchandise out of God, off of God's people. In other words, they would think up clever ways to separate God's people from their money. It's always about money with a false shepherd. It's always about making money. It's always about, you know, the emphasis is always on money. You, you turn on television and you could see these characters and it's always about send your money in so God can bless you, right? Uh, if they really believed that, I think they'd be giving the most money away, but they don't really. They collect the most, obviously. Um, but again, Peter said they would think of clever schemes and teach lies in an effort to steal God's people's money. And he went on to say that God sees what they're doing and he and uh, assures us that their day is coming. Their day is coming. Guys, a great church is one that won't allow sin in its midst, in its midst, because it is a good shepherd. And that shepherd wants to honor God and he wants to do what's right. And he doesn't want anything that would be corrupt, any leaven to creep into the church, as Paul said, because if leaven is not dealt with, if sin is not dealt with in a church, if it's allowed to continue, it's going to grow and spread and corrupt the entire body. A good shepherd. And I know that Calvary Lake Villa has a good shepherd and Pastor John, a good shepherd, will always be on the lookout for sin. Now, we're all sinners saved by grace. We're talking about somebody who is flaunting sin, somebody who is not wrestling with an area of the flesh that they're falling to, but by God's grace, they're going to have victory. We're talking about somebody like Paul mentioned in 2 Corinthians 5, um, somebody living, a man living with his own stepmother, um, and, and, and not, nobody was in the, that church was rebuking him, was not holding him accountable. And Paul was beside himself and said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Don't you understand this? You can't be a holy church, therefore a blessed church, if you look the other way when some of the, I, I was listening to a pastor one time and he said that, um, he heard another pastor talk on this subject and went up to the pastor after that talk and said, well, where would I begin? There's so much sin in this church. And a lot of it was being committed by the biggest givers, which they didn't want to confront because after all, they wanted them to keep giving. These are tests from the Holy Spirit. Are we going to, you know, turn a blind eye to sin because those sinning are giving the most money to the church. Three years ago, we went through the biggest split of our church's existence. We've been around for 41 years. At that time, 
I didn't realize uh, until it all erupted that there was about a third of the church that had gotten together and was secretly planning to overthrow the church, destroy it. They had coordinated uh, with one another. And, um, and they, around this very time, three years ago, maybe four years ago now, um, 2018, so four years ago, um, they all got up and left together. I'm talking about my pastors, my worship people, my finance people, my Sunday school people, all the people of key ministry. And then uh, three months later, our biggest giver said to me that he wanted to be a pastor in the church. Now, I knew that this man was not called to be a pastor. Just wasn't called. I can tell that. Yet he was our biggest giver. And he threatened to take his money somewhere else if we didn't recognize him as a pastor. And so I told him what I've told our church over the years at different points. This church is not for sale. We are going to honor God here. And you can take your money and go somewhere else. Because I really don't care about your money. Where God guides, he provides. And so he left. And right after he left, God brought in more money than he ever gave to the church. And we never said a word. We never said, oh, woe is us. Can you help us? We're going through a tough time. Our biggest giver has gone. No. Lord, it's your church. You know, you've promised to take care of it. And so God began to bring in all kinds of new people with great hearts. And they began to give. And again, Pastor John knows, you know, Pastor Tony, we don't ever ask for money from the pulpit. But God always takes care of excuse me, always takes care of us. But guys, a church that takes holiness seriously will faithfully purge out the leaven when it shows itself. You try to work with people. You bring it to their attention. Look, you're living in sin. Now come on, let's get your life right with God. But if they don't want to, then they have to leave. And we pray for them. Like the church in Corinth that Pastor Tony was teaching Second Corinthians. They had to put this guy out, but after they did, he repented. And so Paul says, quickly gather him back to the... We just want him to repent. Bring him back in quickly before the devil can really work on this poor guy. Any church that takes holiness seriously has the makings of being a great church. And yet a church can have longevity, It can have a pastor that faithfully teaches God's word and remains morally pure as an example to the flock himself. That's a lot. That's incredibly important, but it's not enough because there's a fourth ingredient that makes a church a great church, and that is vitality. And by vitality, I'm using that word as a synonym for life. I think we'd all agree that for a church to be a great church, it must be a church flowing with the life of God's spirit, a church that is flowing that is filled with the life of God's Spirit. I have noticed over the years that there are churches that have been around for a long time and they do teach the Word of God. In that regard, they are right. problem is they're dead right. They're going through the motions, but you can read the letter of Jesus to the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2. They're going through the motions, but they have lost the emotion of their relationship with Jesus. 
You can be right, and you can be dead right. Someone asked me one time about a church that wasn't really faithfully teaching God's word, and they'd gotten off into some things, and um, he just felt that they were a dead church. But they were growing. And so he came to me one day, kind of confused, and said, look, I know this church is not teaching the word. I know that they've got these issues. and I believe they're a dead church. But how can a dead church grow? And my answer to him was simple. Even cemeteries grow. Don't let numbers confuse you with the life of the Spirit. Don't let numbers confuse you. And if you doubt that statement, read the letters of the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, and, it's, and in particular the letter to Smyrna and the letter to Philadelphia. Two very small struggling churches. But yet Jesus commended both of them, even though they thought they were failures because they were so small and struggling. Yet Jesus commended them as being very successful in his eyes. And then you can read the church, the letter of the church of Sardis, a big church, where Jesus said, I know your works, that you have a name, you're alive in the sense that you exist, but you're dead. I remember my pastor's testimony. It really changed my life. I don't really have time to get into all of it, but Pastor Chuck struggled with trying to build the Church of Jesus Christ for many, many years, trying gimmick after gimmick, program after program, and none of it really built God's church. I don't know if his church was dead in those days. I just know it wasn't. Uh, there's really no life of the Spirit completely. just they existed, and... Uh, Chuck just didn't know what to do. He had 17 years of trying gimmicks and programs and all kinds of things belonging to a particular denomination that encouraged these kinds of, of uh, gimmicks and programs every quarter. And uh, Chuck went to the most recent um, conference, and there the bishop encouraged the new spring program. And Chuck said, I just couldn't go, I just couldn't go for another program. I just was burned out with programs. You know, we 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 sent out we we um, one program we we launched I don't know a, a thousand two thousand helium balloons with the church's address tied to it right and uh, just let them go right and uh, they said they got a phone call from one elderly gentleman who lived about fifty miles away and he only wanted to come to church because he was lonely and just wanted something to do didn't grow the church by one person. So Chuck said, I went back to the hotel where I was staying, got down on my knees, and I said, God, you know, I, I, I'm not a rebel. They think I'm a rebel because I can't go another, another, you know, program. And the Lord said, and Chuck said, the Lord spoke to me very clearly and gave me two scriptures. First one out of Zechariah 4, 6. Not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. In Acts chapter 2, what is it, verse 40. 648, and the Lord added to the church daily those being saved. Chuck said, I went back to my church and I committed to teaching God's word verse by verse. The stuff started coming for the new spring campaign and I just filed it in the garbage. And we just started teaching the word. And during that three-month period, the church 
tripled in size. Well, of course, we had to report everything to the denomination, Chuck said. And so I got a letter around June saying, you have won the contest for the most growth in any of our churches. Uh, we want to invite you over so we can give you a trophy for what you've done. Chuck said, I'm sorry, I can't accept any. He wrote him back, I can't accept any trophy because my church didn't know we were involved in a contest. We just taught the word. How can you tell when a, a church is a spirit-filled church? I think first and foremost by its love for Jesus. And if a church loves Jesus, they're going to love the lost. Because that was his heart. I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. And Jesus said, if you love me, show me, show that love by keeping my commandments. And one of the top ones is to go into all the world and preach the good news to every person. A church that is a great church loves Jesus and has a heart for the lost, as this church does. And I'll give you one final ingredient that goes into making a church great. It's longevity, fidelity, purity, vitality, and last but not least, the final ingredient that makes a good church a great church is family. Family. Note I was watching your uh, the video pre presentation uh, earlier and um, all the people working on the church, right? I don't know if you know this, but I saw this property before it was a Calvary, okay? Um, I had a gentleman stop by my office one day, and this is the church he went to. He loved Calvary, but, uh, you know, and wanted this church to be a Calvary at one point, and invited me to take a look at the property, and wow. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. <laughs> You talk about a fixer-upper. I mean, yeah, it was real. Like somebody had bombed the, the, the grounds, a big hole in the ground, a chicken coop where guys used to sleep because they would bring them in from the city and let them dry out here. And uh, quite a ministry to some of these uh, guys. Um, I prayed about it. He wanted me to see if I wanted to come up and take over the church. I prayed about it. I didn't feel like God wanted me to leave my congregation. And so put the word out and eventually... Calvary was established, and then eventually Pastor John came and took it over. And as I walked, uh, as I parked on the ground in the parking lot uh, when I first got here today, and got out and uh, came into the and saw the uh, the the grounds, and then the church, and then came into the church and saw all this, I thought, Lord, you are so good. They have turned by your grace this church into something beautiful for your glory. And that's what family does, right? You guys are a family. You have proven your love for each other. You have proven that this church is a place that you believe God's spirit dwells in. And you have given your time, your money, and your commitment to make this church something beautiful. And I just applaud the, the family here at Calvary Lake Villa. Um, and guys, the Church of Jesus Christ on the earth was designed by God to be a family. Let's be honest. A church that does not have unity excuse me, and love isn't a family. A church that isn't a family, in other words, doesn't love each other, doesn't help each other, is not a great church. It might be a good institution, maybe a, a good organization, but God never wanted his church to be a, an institution or an organization. He wanted it to be a family. A family where people could, people could come and, and belong to a group of people that loved them, that cared about them, 
You know, families can fight. We can argue. I came from, five, uh, you know, four siblings, myself, you know. We fought, right? Three brothers, a sister, you know. Um, you know, if you've come from a big family, you know how it is. You know, my brothers and I, as we were younger, we could fight like crazy. But when somebody else picked on one of us, we sure came together quick. And that's how it is with family. You know, we can argue, we can disagree. Sometimes there's this divisions at times. Work through it. Don't let the devil capitalize on it. As, as Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You give place to the devil. Work it through. But it's, you know, I, I love the proverb. It has nothing to do with church and yet everything to do with church. Remember the proverb that says, uh, where there is no oxen, the stall is clean, but much strength comes through the you know, work comes through the strength of an ox. Let's apply that to the church. You want a clean church with no messes? Get rid of all the people. <laughs> then you're going to have a nice, clean, tidy church. But you won't get any work done. Because a church is made up of flawed individuals that love Jesus. He has made new creations, but this side of glory, they're not perfect. None of us are. So let's love each other, overlook each other's faults, not kick each other when one falls, but stoop down to pick them up. We're family. We are a family. I'll close with a, uh, a uh, just a principle taught from one of the most beloved Christ Christmas movies of all time. You all know it. It's a Wonderful Life. Those of you who really know that movie know that the main character, George Bailey, was a guy that wanted to do great things with his life. He wanted to travel the world. He wanted to build big structures. He wanted to do all kinds of great things because he didn't want to be stuck in a crummy little town, you know, where he wasn't going anywhere. He wanted to make his mark on the world, right? But every time he was ready to leave Bedford Falls, right, um, some emergency came up and kept him stuck there because he had a heart for the people. So he goes through life thinking that he's a failure. And you know the point of the story. The point of the story was that greatness in a human life is not achieved by building big things, uh, monuments, buildings, bridges, whatever. It's how you build into people. It's how you build into people. This is a church that builds into people. Guys, the world looks at the outward. God looks upon the heart. And if a church is faithful in making strong disciples, which this church is, by teaching God's word faithfully, in the eyes of God, it might be uh, a, a small church in number, but it's a great church in the eyes of God. Because, again, we all tend to make the mistake. I, I, I have over the years. I've stopped doing it. We pastors are famous for coming together in conferences, pastors' conferences, and when we meet a new pastor, the first question we tend to ask is, how big is your church? <laughs> I used to do that all the time until God spoke to me. He said, what, what difference does it make? It's not how large a church is. It's how much they love me, how faithful they are in serving me. So I don't ask that question anymore. And I try not to apply it to my ministry, you know, that if I was really a success, our church would be bigger. 
when, again, I look at the churches of Smyrna and Philadelphia. Well, in fact, let's close by turning to Revelation 3. And let's read the letter to Philadelphia. And can I be so bold as to put Calvary Lake Villa in there? Because this was a letter that was to be a, um, a prototype for any church that fits this profile. So Revelation 3, verse 7. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Calvary Lake Villa. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have a little strength. You're not a big church. And yet you obeyed my word and did not deny deny me. Verse 10. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Keep being faithful. Verse 12. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. So God bless you guys. God bless Pastor John and Lily for 23 faithful years serving this church. And praise God and thank God for this church and how it has survived many storms. But 30 years later, it stands as strong as ever. God bless you guys. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for... Well, we see and hear of so many churches, Lord, that have fallen by the wayside and are no more. We thank you, Lord, for a good, solid church that has been around 30 years and continues to grow strong. We ask that you would continue to bless this church beyond anything they can even hope or imagine. We pray, Lord, that you will fill it more and more with people who love you and love your word and want to be a light in this dark world in these last days. And so, Lord, we thank you. We ask that you would continue to bless now the, the ministry of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa. And again, and Pastor John and Lily, Lord, bless them as they continue to lead this church. And we just thank you now for this evening. We ask you to guide everyone home safely as we end. But thank you, Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thirty years ago, we would have been singing this song.
pray that God would bless you and keep you, that his face would always just shine upon you and give you peace. God bless.